Hello and welcome to Drawing Heat, a podcast that covers the best book periods in professional wrestling. I am your host, professional wrestling manager and advocate, Prince Arjun, and today we will be covering the July 11th, 2011 episode of Raw in Volume 3 of The Summer of Punk. Before we begin, I want to let you know that if you write a five-star review for us on iTunes, I will read it and give you a shout-out right here on the air. Tonight is July 11th, 2011, and we are live from the TD Garden in Boston. We open up right to the music of CM Punk, who is out with a literal bullhorn. Yes, true to his word, Vince McMahon has reinstated Punk, and we're not wasting any time in seeing him again. He gets in the ring and gestures for the headphones of a cameraman. The cameraman hands the headphones to Punk, who tells whoever is listening, Don't turn my microphone off tonight. Thank you. Nice. So, Punk has more than a few things to say, and as you can imagine, it's a little lengthy, but it's definitely worth a listen. Do I have everybody's attention now? I feel a little bit of recapping is in order. If you didn't see the show last week, and, and I can't blame you, I didn't watch either because I wasn't on. I was suspended by Vincent K. McMahon. I was suspended because the week prior to that, I got into a little bit of trouble because of some things that I said. I didn't get in trouble because I announced that July 17th my contract with World Wrestling Entertainment ends. I didn't just get in trouble because I said not only am I going to defeat John Cena this Sunday at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, but that I was going to leave with the oh-so-precious WWE title, rendering all future champions completely irrelevant. I didn't just get in trouble because of this little nugget. I mentioned when Vince McMahon finally dies that the company will fall into the hands of his idiotic daughter and his son-in-law, who I believe I referred to as a doofus. I got in trouble basically because I have the balls to say things that nobody else has the balls to say. Things like this company inside and outside the ring are filled with a parade of shameless ass kissers. But never fear, tonight, not only am I reinstated, not only is my championship match with John Cena back on. And at this point, Punk puts the mic right in front of the bullhorn. I brought back up just in case they cut my microphone off. So a lot of you are probably wondering exactly why I'm holding a live microphone right now. I'll explain it to you. Vince McMahon desperately wants to sign me to a very long-term, very lucrative contract with World Wrestling Entertainment. It's, it's funny to me that Vince is bending over backwards to give me everything I've ever wanted. And the reason that's funny is because all I've ever really wanted is this little microphone. See, this, this is power. This voice, this is power. In anybody else's hands, this is a microphone. In my hands, it's a pipe bomb, as I showed two weeks ago. So Vince McMahon finally sees me for what I am, and that is the hottest property in this industry today.
He finally sees that way because I did something that he and his endless empty suits could not do. I made WWE socially relevant. And I'm not talking I'm not talking about you people because you don't you don't really count. I'm talking about the real world. See, in the real world, the WWE has always gotten a mention or two for two reasons. The first one being that CM Punk is speaking his mind. The second one is because somebody died. It's true. But now the WWE, because of me, is all over YouTube. I am a YouTube sensation. EC ESPN is falling all over themselves to try to, to try to get me on their radio shows, to try to get me on their TV shows. Jimmy Kimmel's people are ringing my phone off the hook. They want to know exactly what I have to say. They're begging for my story. And I find it funny that I have one foot out the door and Vince McMahon finally wants to give me everything I want. Well, five years ago, Vince McMahon treated me this nice. I wouldn't have five years of pent-up ammunition to unload on him. I wouldn't have so much to say. I know Vince McMahon, and I know how he does business, and he's going to come here, and he's going to expect me to sit down in his office and have a nice little man-on-man -man conversation about a contract. But I also know he likes to do things that have never been done before, so I say tonight, Vince McMahon, we have the first-ever live contract negotiation in the ring. And who knows, maybe I'll sign, maybe I won't. Maybe Vince McMahon will have to join something that I like to call the CM Punk Kiss My Ass Club. Interesting note, we call the speech Punk gave two weeks ago the pipe bomb promo, but it wasn't until this show that he actually uttered the words pipe bomb. Anyway, at this point, Cena's music interrupts the challenger, but Punk isn't ready to give him any sort of reprieve, so let's take a listen. Cut it. Cut the music. Turn it off. You want to talk? Go ahead. Talk. What were you saying? Hey, everybody. It's John Cena. Thank you. Thank you for getting me reinstated to a job that I didn't even really want in the first place. Thank you for giving me everything that I have ever wanted. See, not only in Money in the Bank am I going to beat you for that title, and God, when I beat it, when I beat you for that title, I'm probably going to change the way it looks because that thing has been far too ugly for far too long. You've made a couple of things completely real come the Sunday, the 17th. It, I am leaving, John. I will beat you for that title, and I will leave. And now the thing of it is, you, you're going to get fired? Yeah, let's, let's go, Cena. Let's go to Chicago so I can beat you for that title. But if you think that Vince McMahon is really going to fire you, I'd like to take you back a couple months ago when you were fired, and that lasted all of about seven days. It's not going to happen. So you don't have that to worry about. You're done. Let's be honest, probably not, but would you like to say something? I have a megaphone. No, no, I just want to make sure you get it all out because you made a very uh, truthful statement. We've been waiting for about five years to say that you actually have a set of balls. 
Congratulations. And apparently you also have a mouth and you like to run it. I'm out here to set you straight. Because for three weeks, all I've heard is you say how you're walking out of Chicago and money in the bank with a WWE championship. You got to go through me to do that. And you just act like I'm some sort of pushover. Like because you're CM Punk and you got a live mic in the middle of the ring. And it's irrelevant who you face in Chicago because nobody's going to stop you from walking out with the WWE Championship. I got news for you, Jack. I'm no pushover. And I, no, 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 easy, easy. I know why. I know why you think it. Why? Because I was halfway knocked out when you were at the top of the stage and you said you were the best wrestler in this company. Wait, I'll stop you right there. Go ahead. I am the best wrestler in the world. Congratulations, you got a set of balls, a big mouth, and self-confidence. And you also said that I am a vision of what this company believes the best should be. Because I prance around to all these appearances and smile for the camera, you got it twisted. I do that because I love it. I'm the best because I have this and I earned it. You think, you think you are the best wrestler. Congratulations for thinking that. I hate to tip my ace here. There's a lot of people who thought that. A lot of people. Names like Triple H, John Layfield, Edge, Batista, Randy Orton, Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels, even the late Eddie Guerrero, every single one of them thought the kid couldn't hang with me. Thought there's no way that he can wrestle with me in this ring. Every single one was disappointed. I didn't come out here to run my mouth. You think you're great? Here's what I think. I don't care if you got a mic or a megaphone. I don't care if you stay or if you go. I don't care if Vince McMahon fires me or he's full of it. I think I'm coming to Chicago and Money in the Bank to whip your ass. And so this roller coaster of emotion is interrupted by the very dumbass sound of the anonymous Raw General Manager. So let's hear what this magic laptop, voiced by Michael Cole, has to email. Can I have your attention, please? I've just received an email from the anonymous Raw General Manager. And I quote, Mr. McMahon is en route to negotiate with CM Punk. But in the meantime, I think if this is John Cena's last night on Raw, we should see him in action. So Cena, don't go anywhere, because you're going to be competing in a very special match Next. John Cena in action. Good luck. Next. Okay, phew. A lot to unpack here. But let me start off by saying I normally hate when opening segments last this long, but this was a freaking exception. Much like last week, WWE is not afraid to use what they've tapped into with Punk, and they let him go wild on the mic. This wasn't as fourth-wall-breaking insanity as his original tirade, but Punk is clearly more interested in selling his upcoming match than he is just to rile everybody up, and boy does he do that. Punk trolls from the very moment he comes out, including insulting Vince McMahon some more, and, of course, mocking everything there is to mock about John Cena. Little touches like getting a headset to tell the producers not to cut off his microphone, mentioning the infamous Kiss My Ass Club, and his use of the bullhorn during Cena's entrance are all money. Punk is also far more self-aggrandizing than a typical babyface, but his mentions of the real world ringing him constantly in the past two weeks is in keeping with his anti-hero persona, so it makes a lot of sense for him to brag about it. But any protagonist is only as good as their antagonist, and Cena plays his role perfectly here as well. Challenging Punk's picture of Cena as an ass-kissing yes-man, Cena proclaims that he acts the way he does because he loves it and gets right into Punk's face, not willing to back down one inch despite Punk's bravado. 
it should come to no shock that the biggest flaw in this is the uh, magic laptop voiced by Michael Cole. Seriously, couldn't anyone have filled the role of GM better? We come back from commercial to Punk's music, and his opponents are what's left of the new Nexus, David Otunga and Michael McGillicuddy. FYI, outside of that opening promo two weeks back, Punk has not mentioned the new Nexus, which he still technically leads, at all. Let's just say, I don't like their chances here. We start off with Cena and Otunga in the ring, and some standing wrestling holds before Otunga tags in McGillicuddy. The slow start continues until Cena hits a hip toss and drop kick that sends McGillicuddy out of the ring before we go to commercial. We come back to McGillicuddy in a headlock in the ring before we see a recap of Otunga sending Cena into the steel stairs while he was on the outside during the break. Eventually, McGillicuddy gets out of the headlock and sends Cena into the corner. The tag team champions double team Cena while Cole waxes poetically, comparing the WWE Championship to the American flag. Alright then. While Jerry and Cole continue to kiss Cena's butt as the greatest champion in WWE history, Otunga gets the upper hand by whipping Cena into the opposite corner hard. Otunga stays in control before Cena is able to hit a fisherman suplex to reverse his fortunes. Otunga tags in McGillicuddy, but Cena is on a roll. He hits multiple running shoulder blocks on McGillicuddy to the delight of the female members of the crowd, completing Vintage Cena Move of Doom number one. Vintage Cena Move of Doom number two, a sit-out hip toss, is then hit. Call Monty Python because we're skipping number three and going right on to Vintage Cena Move of Doom number four, the five-knuckle shuffle. Three shall be the number thou shalt count, and the number of the counting shall be three. Four shalt thou not count, Neither count thou two, excepting that thou then proceed to three. Five is right out. Speaking of number five, an attempted attitude adjustment is stopped by Otunga, who gets into the ring to deliver an atomic drop on Cena, which is followed up by a drop kick from McGillicuddy. The referee doesn't seem to mind too much and makes a close two count for McGillicuddy right afterward. McGillicuddy puts Cena on the top turnbuckle for a superplex, while Cole declares that this is the biggest crisis in the WWE since WCW nearly outpaced WWE way back in the 1990s. As the announcers don't note, the superplex is stopped when Cena overpowers McGillicuddy's grip and delivers headbutts that send McGillicuddy falling off the turnbuckle. Cena kicks away an attempt from Otunga to bring him down and then hits a flying leg drop on the rising McGillicuddy. He applies the STF slash STFU and has it locked in before Otunga interferes again and breaks up the hole. Both men then go in on Cena, and at one point, the referee moves out of the way so Otunga can whip McGillicuddy into the ropes and bounce back into Cena. So, not only is the referee not stopping the double team, he is actively helping in it, or was just out of position, and Otunga had to shout directions loud enough to be picked up by the microphone. I'm going to allow this. Anyway, McGillicuddy hits Cena in the corner, but Cena dodges Otunga's attempts for another splash. He hits the attitude adjustment on McGillicuddy and sends Otunga out of the ring. He then gets the one, two, three. This was an okay match, but Cena's rapid recovery from offense, and there's the fact he single-handedly defeated the afterthought tag team champions in a handicap match. This was bad booking for a number of reasons, but three episodes in, and it seems like this is typical of how WWE treated the tag team champions at the time. We go to commercial and we come back to Cole and Lawler discussing the upcoming Money in the Bank main event before they go into a video package on another match that will take place between The Big Show and Mark Henry. Take a listen. Mark Henry! Nobody gonna get no peace! 
Well, we haven't seen too much of this rivalry on Raw. What we did see two weeks ago when Mark Henry threw Big Show through the steel cage was already enough to make me excited to see these two go at it on pay-per-view. This video package definitely sealed the deal. We then go to the back with U.S. champion Dolph Ziggler in a suit, but without the U.S. title, along with his manager and advocate, Vicky Guerrero. So let's take a listen. We need to have our facts straight and be prepared. So pretend I'm Mr. McMahon. What are you going to say to me? You're Vince, right? Listen, Vince, you need to fire CM Punk. Don't renegotiate with him. Fire him. And while you're at it, fire John Cena, too. Because as long as I'm the United States champion, we can make that the premier title in the WWE. Because everyone knows I'm the premier superstar in the WWE today. Well, are you going to tell me how to do my job? No. I'm just telling you the truth. Except I'm not doing it out in the ring or insulting you or your family. But, sir... Last week, you looked like a total wuss. I'm not a wuss. I'm Vince McMahon. I work out. I am strong. <sighs> Do you know who I am? I'm your this boss. Is I think I can get in on. I'm Vince McMahon, damn it. I'm the man. It says so in my name. McMahon. No, I'm Vince McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> You were Mr. McMahon. Now you're just a shell of what you used to be. And if you don't realize what you have in talent, like Dolph Ziggler, <laughs> you should be the chairman of AARP instead of WWE. <laughs> so why don't you take your tacky, outdated suits, your old man hair, <laughs> and your dead possum breath and retire, right? Come on, Ziggler. You've been close to the guy. It's more like a dead possum wrapped in a diaper. Oh, more oh, accurate. Wait, wait, I get it. His breath is like a dead possum wrapped in a baby's diaper soaked in vomit. Oh, my God. It's kind of like that. It is. That's so funny. Did you get it? So, as you heard, Drew McIntyre joins in on the fun and the three of them start to humorously deride Vince McMahon. They are then interrupted by, yes, you guessed it, the chairman of the board himself, so let's take a listen. You know, Vegas. Fine. Off Drew. Listen, Two of my fastest rising stars. You two deserve to have the spotlight, do you know that? Yeah, thank you. I agree with you, yeah, you really do. As a matter of fact, uh, you deserve to have a really big spotlight, so why don't the two of you team up tonight in a handicap match against a really big, big opponent. Say maybe like the largest athlete in the world, the Big Show. Sick. Sound good? Thank you. That's great. You're back. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, sir. Um, anyway, it, any, anyone have a met? Met? No. No. Because, uh, what I really wouldn't want to have is bad breath. Excuse me, Mr. McMahon. Everyone all over the world is wondering what's going to happen in tonight's live contract negotiations between you and CM Punk. Do you have a comment, sir? Everyone all over the world. Entire world. The entire world. All over the world. Why don't you tell the entire world that I said they could go to hell? Okay, Drew McIntyre, Dolph Ziggler, and Vicky Guerrero are all great talents on the mic, but the terrible jokes they are fed by the writers about Vince McMahon are only matched by the incredibly predictable butt of the joke walks in at opp inopportune time cliche they use here. Still, it should be no surprise that Mr. McMahon saved this segment by not just putting McIntyre and the U.S. champion Ziggler in a handicap match against Big Show, but also by saying this. Because, uh, what I really wouldn't want to have is bad breath. And this. Why don't you tell the entire world that I said they could go to hell? In case I haven't said this before, 
I love Mr. McMahon. Uh, the character, at least. We go to the back and hear Lawler get as excited as only an attractive, scantily dressed blonde woman less than half his age could get him. In between this vomit-inducing commentary, we're told that we... Uh, have Kelly Kelly in action after the break. I'm not gonna lie, the terrible wrestling the WWE presented at this time for the women's division was bad enough, but I honestly can't stand hearing Lawler again after his disgusting and sexist commentary whenever attractive women are on the screen. So I will take the unprecedented step of skipping this match to save myself time, an increase in blood pressure, and losing enthusiasm for the product. That being said, Kelly Kelly defeated Molina in a non-title match with the Bella Twins on commentary. Afterwards, the Bella Twins beat up on Kelly Kelly and on Eve who came in for the save. Oh yeah, we have a Divas title match on the upcoming pay-per-view, just in case you care. We go to the back and see The Miz walking while we hear Cole screaming with unbridled enthusiasm. Yay. We come back with the Long John Silver Slam of the Week which was the entire ending of last week's match when Alex Riley got the surprise pin on The Miz and beat him up on the outside afterwards. There wasn't really any slams involved in this, except for A-Rai being thrown around into the barricade. I don't think Long John Silver's got their money worth here. Anyway, we're awesome! Because The Miz is out to say a few things while the ring is surrounded by ladders and with one in the ring itself and a Money in the Bank briefcase hanging over it. The Miz gets on top of the ladder with a microphone, and this episode is running long, so I'll just tell you that after some generic Miz spiel, he's interrupted by the music of Jack Swagger, who has his own rant. And after Swagger's spiel, he then gets spiels from Evan Bourne and Kofi Kingston to say more generic things about the upcoming Money in the Bank match. Our truth then comes out for a few crazy words of his own. Alex Riley's music plays, and Miz bravely runs away at the sight of his former protege. Finally, Del Rio's music plays, and the Mexican playboy comes out in his fancy car to say a few words. The car? I should not even be in Money in the Bank. I to call right in stereo, so I'm the number one contender. And now we have John Cena against CM Punk. You gotta be kidding me. But the question is why? Por qué demonios? I'm going to tell you why. John Cena is afraid of Alberto Del Rio. And now I have to do it all over again just to show you that it's my destiny to be the next WWE Champion. Fine. In six days, I'm going to teach a lesson to every single one of you. And that's a lesson for destiny. And just when you thought this segment, which was going on for nine minutes at this point, wasn't going to end, we get uh, this. Alberto Lorenzo has a point. Oh, boy. Can I have your attention, please? I've just received an email from the anonymous Raw General Manager. And I bet you'll read it. Mm. And I quote, Alberto Del Rio has a point. And since we have six of the Money in the Bank competitors in the ring, let's have a match. So Miz, Jack Swagger and R-Truth, you will team up to face Evan Bourne, Alex Riley, and Kofi Kingston in a six-man tag team matchup that starts right now. Okay, that match lasted too long and ended with a magic laptop, so yeah, it sucked. On the plus side, we are reminded of how Del Rio did beat Rey Mysterio last week to be the number one contender, only to be totally discounted without comment by Mr. McMahon, Cena, and Punk, and a weird but admittedly funny promo involving R-Truth ranting about conspiracies, fears of heights, and of spiders. Also, 
It ended with a three versus three match involving the participants being booked. So, on balance, this segment was slightly below average. We come back from commercial to see Swagger with Bourne in a rest hold. Riley and Kofi are in one corner, presumably with the face Bourne, with R-Truth and Miz in the other. Bourne tries to battle back, but only gets a twisting spine buster for his trouble. The Miz gets in to put the herd on Bourne for a while, until R-Truth comes in to join in on the fun, which he does before a suplex into a stunner that looked great, but still only got a two. Truth tries to go for a scissor kick as a follow-up, but Bourne gets a knee to R-Truth's face, which gives him the opportunity for the hot tag to Kofi Kingston. Kofi wastes no time as he does a beautiful-looking springboard clothesline on Truth. Kofi stays in control with some high-flying offense, including a Superman punch off the ropes and the boom drop. Before he can follow up, Swagger gets a right hand in on Kofi. Kofi sends Swagger off the apron and stays in control when he reverses a splash in the corner from R-Truth and follows up with a sky-high flying crossbody off the top turnbuckle. An attempted pin only gets a two count when The Miz breaks it up. This gives Truth the opportunity he needs to beat up Kofi some more before sending him to the outside and tagging in The Miz before we go to commercial. We come back to see Miz hitting a high elbow on Kofi and getting a two count before tagging R-Truth back in. They perform a double suplex, but Kofi still gets a shoulder up. R-Truth and the heels continue to beat up Kofi before an attempted double team move with Swagger is reversed into a double DDT from Kofi. Kofi gets the hot tag in on Alex Riley, who spears Swagger and goes to town before it takes time to suplex Miz into the ring after Miz mocks him on the apron. Things break down as Truth gets in for a hit on A-Rai before Airborne comes in with a jumping kick on Truth. Swagger attempts a running Vader bomb off the second rope, but A-Rai brings his feet up, hitting Swagger on the chin. Swagger is planted for the jumping DDT from A-Rai for the 1, 2, 3. However, after the match, A-Rai isn't able to celebrate very long before this happens. Alberto Del Rio, who was left out of this match presumably as an apology for getting screwed out of the number one contendership, came back to maul everyone with a ladder as they beat each other up after the match. The match itself was enjoyable, but went on way too long, and considering it came after an overly long segment, it's no surprise that they lost the crowd about halfway through the match. Also, if you're going to have a young up-and-comer like Alex Riley get huge pins over guys like The Miz and Swagger, let him enjoy his victory afterwards, otherwise why bother? Two weeks in a row, Alex Riley was attacked right after his big win, and it is really getting kind of stupid. I will say that this does get me excited to see what these guys have in store at the real Money in the Bank match this Sunday. We go to commercial and come back to a vignette recapping Punk and Cena's path to tonight, and it's mostly a rehash, but the ending was pretty cool, so here it is. Reinstated, you've got your match. Get that smile off your face. I'll tell you why you shouldn't be smiling. CM Punk walks out of Chicago 
for this championship, I'll walk right down that aisle and look right in your face and say, John Cena, yeah! We get quick cuts of Punk and of the world title at the end with that ominous music, and the vignette ends with Cena's disturbed face from the end of last week's show. Great stuff. But now it's time for perfection, because it's our handicap match of Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler against the Big Show. This also gives us our Lawler low point of the week when he mentions that Vicky puts on eyeliner with a sharpie. Screw you, Lawler. Seriously. Anyway... Down comes Big Show, who looks pissed about two weeks ago, and Mark Henry wrecked a cage just to beat him up. And, you know, who can blame him? Ziggler starts off, sees Big Show, and tags in McIntyre. McIntyre looks incredulous, but not for very long, as Big Show runs up to him and pulls him into the ring. For his cleverness, Ziggler gets a hard chop that sends him off the apron. Big Show hits slow, powerful moves that McIntyre sells fantastically. McIntyre is sent out of the ring, and Show follows, continuing the beatdown while Ziggler hides. The brawling continues, and we hear a bell, presumably a double countout, but the announcers don't even mention this, as McIntyre is sent flying into a giant W on the ramp. Big Show then puts his hand on McIntyre's throat for a choke slam on the edge of the ramp, when this happens. The Big Show. Henry, what? He just sacrificed himself. Oh my God! Watch that! Watch the the back of your screen. Mark Henry like a runaway train. I mean, he did not even hesitate. Mark Henry didn't put on the brakes. He blasted through Big Show at full speed. So Mark Henry plows into Show on the edge of the ramp, sending all three men crashing into some structure conveniently placed there to break their fall. Okay, it's not like I'm begging for this match, but it lasted all of two or three minutes before it ended in a double countout and Ziggler was barely in it. While at least the US champion didn't look like a total chump, the booking of this match was a real head-scratcher. The only thing I can think of is that that 3-on-3 match went on way too long, and they had to cut this one short. And yes, there is no consequence, but would it kill Lawler and Cole to mention the result of this match? It's not even mentioned once. That being said, I always love seeing Mark Henry attacking huge dudes, and this spot looked great, so at least there's that. Afterwards, the announcers talk about the upcoming Henry vs. Show match at Money in the Bank, before we get a vignette on the history of the Money in the Bank match. This is almost entirely visually oriented, but like all the other vignettes we've seen tonight, this one is great. But up next, we have our main event. Not a match, but a contract negotiation. Now, normally, this is where I'd bitch about opening and closing a show with segments, but the Cena-Punk-Mr. McMahon drama has been the high point of this timeline so far, so I'm making an exception. And we have no chance in hell, because Mr. McMahon himself comes out and... Well, take a listen. And I don't think that's ever been done before. Well, it may not happen. Oh, he's back. He's back. Well, he wants a little more respect out of the WWE Universe here in Boston. How do you know what he wants? Because I know. I understand the chairman. There we go. That's a little bit better. It's the grand entrance. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the chairman of the WWE. Well, he just told Justin Roberts to shut Mr. up. McMahon. He told you to shut up, Justin. So, in case you couldn't make out what was happening there, Mr. McMahon comes out, gets a chorus of boos, goes to the back, then comes out again to get more cheers. Then he does it a third time until the crowd really starts cheering him. He even glad hands with some of the audience members as he walks around the ring. 
And of course, the whole time he's doing his classic flopping walk and with a big old fake charm grin. In case I haven't said it yet, I love Mr. McMahon. Wait, I did say it? Well, I'm saying it again because it's my show and I love Mr. McMahon, damn it. Anyway, the chairman has some words for the WWE universe to hear. But uh, the, the other aspect of this whole thing is, is bothersome in that it's supposed to be some sort of public negotiation. Whether it's John Cena last week publicly spewing off of the mouth or CM Punk wanting to have a, uh, a public negotiation, contracts should not be negotiated, with all due respect, in public. But nonetheless, uh, that's what CM Punk, CM Punk, I can't even pronounce his name. He is a punk, but nonetheless, come on out, CM Punk. I wonder what CM stands for. Uh-oh. Uh, they got the punk part, right? Come on, let's get this over with. I've got a plane to catch. Punk's music hits, and he mocks Mr. McMahon's strut at the top of the ramp before he gets in the ring. Mr. McMahon offers a handshake, but Punk just stares at his hand and doesn't take it. Then the two men have quite a few things to say, so let's take a listen. Look at you, you're really going to go through with it, aren't you? It, for somebody who's always been so pro-John Cena, I figured you'd come out here wearing one of his ridiculous red t-shirts, you'd have the armbands on. But looking at you now, I can tell you have zero faith in John Cena come this Sunday, which I clearly don't wow. blame you. My faith or lack of faith in John Cena has nothing to do with this. I simply want you to sign the contract for the right reasons. First of all, to make you a rich man, richer than you already are. And secondly, I, I really couldn't live with myself if in fact, somehow, on the last day of your existing contract, somehow you were able to win the championship from John Cena and walk out of Chicago with my title, I could not live with myself. That's why we have the contract. That's why we have all of these provisions in here, just like you asked for, right? I mean, this is right, Phil, right? I, mean, I can call you Phil, right? I mean, come, come on. Hey, hey, come on. You want to open this sucker up? Let's open it up, okay? By all means. Yeah, uh -huh. You want to have fun? Hey, Let's come have on. fun. I've got everything in here you want. Because you know. my lawyers looked over your contract, Vince. And frankly, it just wasn't up to par, so I had him draw up a new one. I have it right here. My signature's already on it. All you got to do is sign it. I do think you should know about a couple new perks that I've added to it. You say you don't think contractual things should happen in public? Let's ask the WWE Universe. You people want this to go down in public? You want to hear a couple new perks? Don't push me. He said don't push me. Did you already look at this? Did somebody stooge this off? Because it's actually provision number one. That I get to push you. Vince, I'll push you all I want. Vince, I'll kick you in the nuts and you'll smile at me and like it and show me some respect. Because if you don't, I find the nearest paper shredder, I throw this puppy in there, and Sunday, I leave with your WWE Championship. So, after lightly pushing Vince, Punk then proceeds to list some ridiculous demands, such as getting his own private jet, because Vince's jet smells, he wants his face on every piece of merchandise, he wants CM Punk the movie from WWE Films, he wants to be in the main event of WrestleMania, and he demands that the WWE ice cream bars be brought back. He then has one more demand. The last thing that this contract states is that you apologize to me. 
I know Vince McMahon doesn't apologize, right? But you will apologize to me for suspending me last week. You will apologize. Hell, you know what? I'm going to be honest. You're not just apologizing to me. You're apologizing to these people for being one of the biggest hypocrites I've ever seen in my entire life. As far as your anti-bullying campaign goes, you're one of the biggest bullies I have ever met in my entire life, and you will apologize. I have had friends, very talented friends, work for this company and be unceremoniously fired. They deserved it. They deserved yeah. it? They deserved it, why? Because you don't know what makes a superstar in 2011. You don't know what these people want. You want to punish people for actually liking professional wrestling? Guys like Colt Cabana, guys like Luke Gallows. Huh? You will apologize to me for them because they can't be here right now and they can't stand up to you and they can't let their voice be heard. I am CM Punk and I am the voice of the voiceless and you will apologize and you will like it. Hey, look. Look. Just calm down, okay? Let's just let's just get this signed and just calm down, okay? Let, let, let's be gentlemen here, okay? Let's be gentlemen. Gentlemen. Let's be gentlemen and let's be businessmen. Should we be gentlemen or should we apologize? Vince. Sign the contract and apologize and spare your company any further embarrassment. Let's just get this over with, okay? And, and I mean, let's just, you know, I, I, come on, I've, I've eaten a crap sandwich out here. At this point, Punk tosses the table to the side and the two men face around each other for a moment before... I don't give a damn what you people want. That's the problem, Vince. That's the problem. You don't give a damn. And my problem is I care too much. Am I a bad guy? Absolutely. I don't wear a white hat, but I damn sure am in touch with these people want. And right now, I think Boston wants to hear an apology. Sorry, okay? I'm sorry. I said I'm sorry. What? I said... Said, I'm sorry. What? If there was ever an appropriate time, what? I apologize, you son of a bitch. He's better than winning the world title three times. Vince McMahon. Just apologize to CM Punk. McMahon takes the pen to sign Punk's new contract, but his time is up and John Cena's time is now. Yes, the WWE champ is here as he gets a surprisingly lukewarm reception from his hometown. He gets in the ring with a mic for a few words of his own. Fine speech. Listen to him, man. They love you. And they'll love you in your hometown of Chicago. And that's the night you walk out on each and every one of them. You want to sign that? You want to cave into a terrorist? I'm not going to tell you what to do. Last week, I asked you for a match. A match that you earned and a match that you want to see. And I think that's worth standing up for. But right now, you guys are like a bunch of kids. A bunch of spoiled brats. I want this. I want that. I have this. I have that. I like this. I like that. Would you stice? Look at you. Look at you. I get it. You feel mistreated at work and you hate this guy. I hate him too. You know how many days I walk into a WWE locker room and want to rip his face off with my bare hands and make it into a cute little floor mat, you know, something classy you'd get at Bed Bath and Beyond, and then go out and step in crap and take my crappy shoes and wipe them on that floor mat that I just made out of his face. 
And then have my dog come in and pee on that floor mat that crap's just been wiped on and flush it down the toilet. That's how much I hate this guy. But I show up for work every day. Because if we have a disagreement, when we don't see eye to eye, if I don't show up, sure, it short-sides him. But these people paid a lot of good money to be here tonight. And they're the ones that really take it on the shin. These people right here, these people watching at home, you talk about hypocrites. Punk, you're the biggest hypocrite of them all. You will ask these folks if they want to see an apology. You will ask these folks to be the voice of the voiceless, and then you will leave. There is a man who stepped in this ring not too long ago and said, finally, he was home. Don't even go there. And that he was never leaving again. Easy, dragon breath. My God, what did you eat, Bigfoot's diaper? My point is, I know you're not that guy. But here you are, making a ridiculous list of demands, demands that he cannot meet. Because all you want to do is take this and walk out. Because your strongest attribute is also your biggest flaw. You are CM Punk. You beat to your own drum, and I admire that. But in the path of doing things you want to do, you've lost sight of everything. Oh, I'll stop you right there. I'm not going to have you sit here and belittle me and say, I've lost sight. I've lost sight of things, John. The reason I say I'm going to take that and walk out is because I don't fit a certain mold. Because I am the underdog, and that's exactly what you've lost sight of. Earlier in this ring, you mentioned great wrestlers like Eddie Guerrero, and you said that they used to look at you and think that the kid couldn't hang. And now you stand here and look at me as the kid that can't hang. John, I was hanging off of your gangster car, WrestleMania 22, as it rolled down in Chicago, Illinois, and I stood there in a suit looking as ridiculous as that man looks right now in a suit, holding a phony Tommy gun, and I said to myself, someday I'm not going to be standing out there watching you in the ring. I was going to be standing in the ring watching you go down to CM Punk. And now here we are in your hometown of Boston. And now next week, we'll be back there in my hometown, Chicago, Illinois. And this, this is the part where I talk them into the building. See, you are the one that's lost sight. And I apologize for raising my voice because I'm not that guy. But when you stand here and tell me that I've lost sight, when you, the 10-time champion who stands for hustle, loyalty, and respect, who from Boston, Massachusetts, lives and breathes these red colors, the same colors as your beloved Red Sox, who also portray themselves as the underdog. I'm sure just like the Bruins portray themselves as the underdog, just like the Patriots think they're the underdog. Hey, how about Easy those bug. Celtics? Are they the underdogs too? Here's what you lost sight of, John, and I'm really happy that your father and your wife are sitting in the front row so they Easy. can hear it. That's the last time I'm going to tell you. Ease up. What you've lost sight of is what you are. And what you are is what you hate. You're the 10-time WWE champion. You're the man. Ladies and gentlemen, the champ is here. You, like the Red Sox, like Boston, are no longer the underdog. You're a dynasty. You are what you hate. You have become the New York Yankees. So finally, Punk has found some fighting words with Cena by comparing him to the <gasps> New York Yankees. Punk leaves the ring, takes the contract from Mr. McMahon's hands, gets to the top of the ramp, and takes a seat much like he did three weeks ago, and, of course, still has his microphone. Turn the music off because I have something to say, and I'm positive that everybody here wants to hear it, and everybody's sitting at home has their DVRs fired up because they want to hear it. I'm glad you just punched me in the face, John. I'm glad it went down this way because it hit me like a bolt of lightning exactly why 
I no longer want to be here, why I want to leave. It's because I'm tired of this. I'm tired of you. I'm just tired. So ladies and gentlemen of the WWE Universe, Vince, John, Sunday night, say goodbye to the WWE title. Say goodbye to John Cena. And say goodbye to CM Punk. Punk then proceeds to rip the contract in pieces, mock Cena's you-can't-see-me hand gesture, and the camera cuts between the champion and the challenger as we end the show for the night. Whew. By my watch, this was about 25 minutes in total, and I included as much as I could because this was some of the most compelling stuff I've ever seen on a wrestling show that wasn't a match. Yes, it was that good. First, we have Mr. McMahon with his sleazy charm. Then we see him mocking Punk when he thought he had the upper hand. Then he was barely able to contain his rage when Punk continued his troll campaign. And finally, he went to childish outrage when Cena began his tirade. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Speaking of troll campaign, Punk has gone more babyface in this promo, claiming to be the voice of the voiceless, and even bringing up recently Lecco wrestlers Luke Gallows and his good friend Colt Cabana. While not as shocking as the original promo, Punk is not shy about breaking the fourth wall, just enough to keep the crowd interested. And much like the pipe bomb promo, some of the things he says about Mr. McMahon could be said today verbatim. And Punk even brings up WrestleMania 22 way back in 2006, when Punk was a faceless extra, portraying himself as a man who came from nothing to claw his way to the top. Cena isn't quite as good as Punk and Mr. McMahon, but he still manages to come off as a real threat that is ready to give Punk hell this Sunday. He even went on a tirade against Mr. McMahon for good measure. None of this earns him any points from Punk, who paints his opponent as a sham that pretends to be the underdog despite his massive successes. And in doing so, he compares Cena to his hometown of Boston, where rise tonight. And since over half our audience is outside the U.S., to give you a bit of background, throughout the 1980s and 1990s, Boston sports teams struggled until the 2000s, at which point they started to dominate. In particular, the Boston Red Sox went over 80 years without winning the World Series until 2004 after defeating their arch-rivals, the New York Yankees, who were famous for putting together the best team money could buy. The segment ended with Punk ripping up the contract, keeping the stakes incredibly high for the pay-per-view, thus concluding a three-week build-up and this week's show. However, our show is not quite over, so let's go to the review. Much like the other episodes of this timeline, this episode was a tale of two shows. One was the saga with CM Punk, John Cena, and Mr. McMahon, while the other was everything else. The former was nearly perfect, while the other was somewhat below average, so I'd guess they'd balance out to a thumbs in the middle trending up, or three stars out of five. The wretched women's match, the total demolishing of the tag team champs, and the overlong segment going into a good but overlong 3 versus 3 match with the participants of the Money in the Bank and the Blink and You'll Miss It handicap match dragged this show down. Which brings us to our least valuable player, the new Nexus. No mic time, no angle, abandoned by their leaders without even a mention by anyone, and sacrificial lambs to John Cena. Poor Otunga and McGillicuddy look as cheap and forgettable as their awful tag team belts. My most valuable player award goes to CM Punk. As I've mentioned, Punk was magnificent on the mic across from both Mr. McMahon and John Cena. He is able to play the crowd like a fiddle, and even threw in a mention of WWE ice cream bars, and for that, he totally earns this week's award. A programming note, I'm still deciding what format the Money in the Bank 2011 pay-per-view review will take, but since I'll be doing this one solo, I'm tempted to simply cover the Raw matches, including, naturally, Punk vs. Cena. If you feel strongly for a certain format, just drop me a line and let me know. And that's it for this episode of Drawing Heat. I am, as always, professional wrestling manager and advocate Prince Arjun, and be sure to leave me a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you got this podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Drawing Heat Pod, and I will see you next time.
why don't you tell the entire world that I said they could go to hell? <laughs>